Strange games, isn't it? Uh, you, you, they fall between two stalls. Either one team really, really wants to win it so they can leave the tournament out on a high, or teams just can't be bothered anymore and play all the reserves, like England in 1990. The key thing about third, fourth place playoff matches is that they're great if the host nation is in them because it normally means that the host nation's done rather well. Got to the semi, you know, Germany uh, and of course South Korea. That that was an absolute classic. That was in terms of football, just in terms of the kind of reception of the players and. The, the way that I remember uh, Hakan Sukur applauding the South Korean fans. Like a, it's a, quite a moving image that for some reason has stuck in my mind all these years. Yes, it was a pretty dull tournament though, 2002. But yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was good that the Koreans did so well. Uh, Shane, the South Africans didn't, I suppose. And, um, and it's kind of been um, represented in the attendances at some of the games since we last spoke. I mean, empty gaps in all the stadiums for almost every game, even the semi-finals. I think that if you put a World Cup in a country where nobody in that country, except for the kind of privileged few, can afford tickets to the game, you're going to get empty seats. Yes, and, and that's what we got. So um, I guess I guess we need to talk about the quarterfinals, really. Some some uh, astonishing results and games, really. A lot of drama. Germany thrashing Argentina, one of the best displays of counter-attacking football I've seen in years. Holland, who looked absolutely dire for 40 minutes, 45 minutes, and then turned it around against Brazil, who didn't look like uh, they were going to lose at all. And then, then of course, that, that stunning Uruguay-Ghana game and all the, the drama and emotion of that last-minute penalty kick. Yeah, and that stunning Spain-Paraguay... No, no, wait a minute. <laughs> I've got that one wrong. No, yeah, uh, Uruguay-Ghana. Uh, ten minutes before the end of that game, I put on Twitter, this is all heading to a heartbreaking Uruguayan win on penalties. Um because you, you could just feel it in the air. The Ghanaians were putting so much pressure on them, and it was it was just building and building, and you thought it's going to happen. It's clearly never going to happen. I mean, obviously, uh, a lot of United fans perhaps would have been rooting for Uruguay because of the magnificent Diego Forlan, but I was definitely firmly in the wanting an African team to do well in this World Cup uh, camp and supporting Ghana. And also, just I really liked the way Ghana played, apart from... A tad too much of the rolling around on the floor against uh, the Americans uh, when they were trying to run the clock down. Um, but that, that that last minute penalty miss, and then to to kind of step up and to he didn't just score his penalty in the penalty shootout. He basically took the perfect penalty, and to kind of just for him to know that if he'd got those penalty, you know, if he'd if he'd managed to hit the penalty he hit in the in the shootout in the in normal time they would definitely have won the game what do you think of Suarez's thing a lot of people are saying yeah well of course everyone would have done that it's totally acceptable you see that kind of thing all the time I, I, I don't I don't know that everyone would have done it some some people would have just tried to head it I mean he, he basically blocked it in front of his face he could have just 
headed it away. I think, but and no, it was slightly to the right of him. I think. I, I I think players cheat all the time, and I think there was you know somewhat of an overreaction to that. I and mean, he got he got the punishment that is prescribed in the rules. You know, there was a penalty. If Garner had scored that penalty, it was literally the last kick of the game, and Garner would have gone through. So they just you know the advantage they were given there wasn't taken up, and and. You know, fouling is cheating. A cynical foul to stop a, a breakaway that could have led to a goal, we'll never know. You know, um, it's just as bad in many ways. So, yeah, it's just it's just part of the game. I, I don't think you need to vilify the guy. He um, he did what he wanted to do for his team, and, and they benefited as a result. And it, I guess, you know, it's one of the dramas of football. If everything was just, then we wouldn't have anything to talk about, would we? Well, I don't know. I'm a bit of a purist, really. I think if everything was just, then we could talk about the fantastic skills and, you know, sublime bits of execution and all that sort of thing still. Or if England are playing, you know, we could still talk about woeful defending. The thing is, Uruguay really did actually suffer in the end. They got through to the semi-finals, which they wouldn't have done, but I think they would have had a much better chance in the semi-final if Diego Suarez had been playing. Uh, They looked pretty outclassed by the Dutch for periods of that game. They did, and and they changed formations as well. Uh, they they've played two up front uh, all all tournament, and they uh, they um they played Fallen up, up top on his own for most of the game. Uh, and and in fact, it, uh, even when uh, they brought a second forward on, the Fallen dropped back twenty five yards. So uh, I, yeah, it didn't it didn't help them, and they they just they just couldn't produce anything in that in that semi final. Um, I mean, you know, obviously they they got the two goals, but I, I think for a long time it just didn't look like they were they were anywhere near beating the Dutch. There was so. a there was a twenty minute period in the first half when it looked very even, like that game, like Uruguay Holland game. But then when I think when the when the Dutch went ahead the second time, that was kind of the end of the game for me. That was when, that was when it seemed to fall apart somewhat. Um, yeah, and and yeah, I, I can imagine like watching that Uruguay Ghana game. The only happy people not Uruguayan in the world, really, would have been the Dutch, you know, thinking, oh, this is fantastic. Whoever we're going to play is going to be emotionally and physically completely wiped out by this game. Mm. Because they were really going at it all the way through extra time. They they were. I mean, of course, somewhat unlucky, really. The Dutch second goal was offside. um, And so, you know, you can hark back to that. But, I mean, I think the best team won that semi in the end. And then, of course, over the other side um, of the draw, uh, Germany devastating performance against Argentina. I mean, I, I think we all knew that Argentina would would suffer given the the lack of quality in their defence when they came up against an attacking side. But it, it was just the way that almost every time Germany broke in the second half, they managed to score a goal. I think the seeds of that game were sown for me in the Argentina-Greece game where Georgie Samaras up front on his own terrorised the Argentinian defence every time he got the ball. I just think if they really ever come up against anyone who can attack, they're going to... The only thing that surprises me about the 4-0 scoreline is the nil part. The four part for Germany doesn't surprise me at all. It was kind of, you know... But the fact that Argentina weren't able to uh, score even one, it was really quite shocking, I think. Yeah, and, and Messi was... I mean, he, he had a... Of, of the sort of superstar players who failed in this tournament, and many have, um, I, I guess Messi was had an OK tournament, didn't he? Um, he, he didn't score, but he wasn't... He, he certainly wasn't shocking, and... Uh, he hit the post a bunch of times, and and even in that game, he was con- you know right up to the end, he was continually running at the the German defence, and um, yeah, so it was a surprise Argentina didn't score with all their attacking talent, um, and then there's Paraguay Spain, which was. 
pretty awful. Yeah, that's yeah. We really don't need to give any time whatsoever to Paraguay, Spain. I don't think Paraguay are not not very good at really. No, no, they're, they're the anti South American team, aren't they? So um, they um, they're pretty defensive side. Although unlucky because David Villa was uh, you know about a foot offside. Literally, his foot was offside, <laughs> and but he definitely was. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but a very hard call for the um, the uh, linesman to make there, or assistant referee, as I should call him. And at that point in the tournament, it looked like it was perhaps not going to be uh, the best tournament for the European teams. But then. After the uh, quarterfinal stage, uh, it suddenly it was European dominance. Four, four out of the uh, three out of the four semi-finalists, and of course both finalists from Europe. Yes, and and we'll we'll get a European winner outside of Europe for the first time. I I don't think it really matters that much. I, I guess the um, the actual environment hasn't played much of a a role in this uh, this year's tournament, and it has done in the past. I mean, obviously a Winter World Cup, so it's. Uh, it was cool enough, and so that wasn't an issue. Still, even though even though that wasn't an issue, there was a point in the tournament where the European teams were all struggling because Spain and Holland had not looked impressive yet. Germany were probably the notable exceptions, but they'd been beaten by Serbia, you know. And and yep. everyone was like waxing lyrical about Brazil and Argentina because they looked like the two best sides in the tournament. And um, Brazil going out against the Dutch it was really interesting because all the things that you thought about this Brazilian side, which was that they were extremely well organised and disciplined, their discipline fell apart in that game. They lost their heads. Oh, Felipe Melo had a had a mare, didn't he? So what do he he, he uh, conceded an own goal, although it's been given to Wes Schneider. No, he That's really was ridiculous. Wasn't. Yeah, and um, and uh, and he got sent off. Yeah. Wesley Schneider's going to end up being like the top scorer in this tournament because he keeps being given goals. Yeah, it's um, yes, definitely wasn't one of his. But there you go. Already done. Yeah, really surprising about the Brazilians. Really, I mean, they they they. Yes, they're set up in a fairly defensive way in you know historical terms for Brazil, but really it's the dominant formation at this World Cup, isn't it? With two holding midfielders and three playing behind, one up front. Absolutely. And on paper, they really didn't have any weaknesses. Maybe you know Bastos at left back, and in fact, he had a pretty good World Cup all round. And it was uh, it was just incredible how much they imploded in that second half. Well, I don't know. They lack Gilberto Silva's one of those two holding midfielders, so they're not totally without weaknesses because I don't, you know, he's been a very good player in his day and does some things very well. He's still a good water carrier, but he definitely lacks for pace and leaves them a little vulnerable if you get the right space on a counter attack. Yeah, I, I think they just want him in because he recycles the ball very quickly. I mean, obviously they brought Ramirez in for a, a couple of games, and he actually looked really impressive as a Benfica player. Um, uh, so I guess he's the future of the Brazilian midfield. Um, and so I guess the one game, the one game we haven't really discussed yet is the the other semi, Spain and Germany. Um, which was it's just Spain all over, wasn't it? It's pass, 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 pass. Thumping header from a corner. Some irony in that, I suppose. It was easily my favourite game of the tournament. That was ridiculous. Like, like that really is that there really is something wrong with me. But the game that I have enjoyed most at these World Cup finals was Spain's one nil victory over Germany. Uh, in spite of the fact, that, like all the English pundits half time going, "Oh, blimey, this is rubbish." And I was thinking, "What game are you watching? This is an absolute masterclass in tactics." The, the, 
before the game, all day at work, anyone was saying, oh, what do you think is going to happen tonight? Um, and I would say, well, I think Germany are really going to struggle because the way they've played all tournament long is to counterattack, and they're not going to be able to counterattack against Spain because Spain are going to keep the ball too well. And the way they're set up with those two holding midfielders, Xabi Alonso and Sergio Busquets, don't really get over the halfway line too often, and certainly their centre-backs aren't charging forward except at set pieces. So they're just never going to be able to catch Spain on the counterattack. And by the time there's any space available in the game, they're not going to have any legs left because they're going to have been running after the ball for 75 minutes. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, that's, that's what Spain do. I mean, it's um, as a defensive tactic, I mean, they are set up to defend very well. Um, but as a defensive tactic, keeping the ball all day long is a pretty good one, I'd say. Absolutely. It's a, it's a devastating combination. It really is. And it's kind of interesting how many of Spain's games they've won 1-0. Um, in, fact, in fact, I'm going to just very quickly have a look at how many games they've won 1-0. Three games 1-0. They beat Portugal, Paraguay and Germany 1-0. They beat Chile 2-1. Honduras don't count, and the Switzerland game is obviously a strange anomaly, but they've won all three of their knockout games 1-0. Um, mm. and it's 1-0 to the Espana. Um, and I, to be honest, I would be entirely unsurprised if the final finishes 1-0 to Spain. Well, it'll be an interesting contest, the final, because they exact same formations, they play in a very similar way. Effectively, they're identical, these two sides, in the, in the way they, they're set up and their, you know, their tactics. So um, Holland have a bit more bite. In their, different, you know, Busquets and, and Alonso are, are much more technical defensive midfielders, um, whereas uh, De Jong and Van Bommel are, are you know, pretty nasty. So they're, they're the ratters in the midfield that we... Putting in the reducers, as uh, as Big Wrong used to used to say. So, and, and of course, Howard Webb will be uh, the English referee who loves sending off United players. Um, will be refereeing it, and I, I think I might have a tenor on Webb to send off Van Bommel at some point during the uh, during the ninety. Oh, that that would be great, Van Bommel. I'm not a fan of Van Bommel as a as a footballer. I, I just I kind of want Spain to win. Just because of Van Bommel, really. Uh, he's he's not nice, is he? Yeah, I did. I just, I, I, I it did kill me. Um, it what it was. He committed sixteen fouls before he got a yellow card in this tournament, and he got the yellow card for talking back to the ref. <laughs> I, I, I think he just got the yellow card because the referee finally the some weird hypnotic spell that the Van Bommels have put on international referees. They've paid some sort of you know magician to. And the curse finally wore off and the referee just thought, I just have to book this man. I need to book him. It doesn't matter what he does. He must be booked. Ridiculous. It's, it's, yes. It is absolutely bizarre that, that he didn't get booked. The, the thing that you say about Spain and, and the Netherlands being exactly the same ty- side, in, in a way, the Netherlands are sort of hybrid between Spain and Germany because they do have a um, slightly more inclination towards counter-attack and they're not, they don't play tick-attacker the 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 Dutch do they they they're not like playing keep ball for the sake of it and constantly trying to work an opening with little passing moves There's, they're they're no. much more direct they well, I mean it's it's partly to do with the players they've got of course uh, yeah anyone who's got Robin in their side will will look for him quite early yeah. and uh, he can be pretty devastating when he's not rolling around on the floor I, what what's wrong with him why does he do it there's no need. He's so good. He's so good. And, and it's like he would be absolutely... Every, everyone loves a winger, right? Who doesn't love a great winger in, in skillful and direct and fast and all that? But he just renders himself so unlikable with the rolling. Yeah. It's too yeah. much. 
It, it is it is too much. Yeah, there there was a good um, bit of photoshopping going on, uh, spreading around the web the other day. Um, uh, I and Robin rolled up into a ball and uh, and then photoshopped into various various uh, situations. So uh, uh, the, the the scene in the Big Lebowski and um, and uh, in a tennis ad where she's you know grabbing her ass and and all those kind of things. It's a very good piece of photoshopping. But yeah, it's, it's, that's Robin all over, isn't he? Yeah, I mean he's probably the most annoying man in football and certainly too annoying for Felipe Melo. There, there is no need, and for all these reasons, I, I, I would very much like the uh, Spanish to win. That normally means that the, they will lose because I think the team I've supported has lost every quarter final. No, I didn't. I was supporting Spain against Paraguay, I think, um, but certainly I would have rather seen a Uruguay Germany final. The one one thing I really like about the final, though, having said that, is that it's two teams that have uh, never won the tournament before. I just think that's right. Cool. Yes. Yes, uh, only only six winners before this, so yeah, we'll we'll get a brand new winner. It, it's going to be a sad story for for one of these guys, isn't it? And and uh, you can I kind of suspect it's it's going to be Holland in the end, and and that will be the third World Cup final they've lost. Um, although of course, um, as everyone was saying when it was considered that there was a chance that Germany would get to the the final, it's a kind of free flowing attacking side against a kind of functional side who have underperformed all tournament. So you were at that point thinking the Netherlands would definitely win to fully reverse 1974. The only reason I'm kind of hesitating on saying that this one's got Spain written all over it is that the Dutch have more magicians in their team than the Germans. Because although Ozil's had a terrific tournament, he did look very tired and he is still very young. Um, and I think that Schneider, Robin, even Van Persie, that those those are players that can create a moment of magic. So if the game is very tight and Spain don't find a way through, then one of those guys could definitely do the business and, and cause what, what would be a, a somewhat of an upset, I think. My, my, my question for you, Ed, is, is will um, everyone's favourite uh, Liverpool striker Fernando Torres play for Spain in this game? I, I actually, I don't think so. I, I can't see them altering the setup. Um, and it, the 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 way the way they've played with Torres in the side is is effectively to push Villa out to the, the you know the left side of the attacker, and and it's actually a position I think he likes more because he can cut in on his right. And I think Villa was sacrificed a little bit in the semi final, but Pedro had a great game and he he gave uh, Spain some real width and some real pace. Um, and unless Unless Torres is looking great in training, I don't think Del Bosque will change that. And I think they'll go with Villa down the, the side and probably go with the same you know, attacking sort of five that they, uh, they used in the, in the semi-final. It's a shame in a way that they're, they're doing that just because it, it is sad to see Villa sacrificed really because he's been the outstanding player of this tournament by, by a mile for me. Um, I think he's look. He's just looked absolutely devastating, um, and uh, it, n- no value in the market. There's a brilliant tweet from Sarah. Uh, what's a Sarah MUFC ninety three? Uh, just said every time she sees David Villa, she's taken to shouting, "No value in the market!" At her television. Like, I know. If uh, if he was sixty million euros, you'd, you'd still say that was good value. I mean, given that that's what they paid for Zlatan Ibrahimovic a year ago, yeah, uh, unbelievable. I mean, yes, he's twenty eight, but he's just a, he's just a brilliant player, and um, and Barcelona are going to get a bag full of goals out of him for sure. It's guaranteed. 
I mean, it's not like Barcelona were not good enough last season. You know, they didn't really struggle for goals, in fairness, Barcelona. So the fact that they've, you know, gone and bought the most, you know, apart from the one they've already got, the best player in the world, uh, you know, it's it, it really is kind of frightening times for Barcelona's European rivals. I, I can't see Real Madrid beating them for the title, that's for sure. No, I, I, I guess we're going off topic a little bit, but I, I think you're right there. I mean, it's, a, it's an odd league, Spain. So um, they, they both, Real and Barca were, well, I think Barca just topped 100 points in there and Real were you know, a couple of points off. But yeah, there is only two teams in Spain that can possibly, and, and the next best one, Valencia, have, have sold their two best players. So yeah, it's going to be even, yeah. They won't be the next best team, I think, next season. Maybe Sevilla, but anyway, yes. So, so um, your prediction for the final then, what, what, what are you going for? I, I, I am sticking with my namesake, the psychic octopus that you don't want to ever hear mentioned again. Um, and I'm going for a Spain win. And uh, specifically, I'm going to say 2-1, even though what I really think is 1-0. But I'm going to say 2-1, that's my official prediction. Okay, uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to go with Spain too, and I think they will win one nil. Okay, um, um, so. and yes, uh, I I live tweeted from Paul the Octopus's live press conference doing the uh, the uh, third place playoff and the the final predictions today, and it's really quite sad, isn't it? It's magic. I love him. I love the fact that the world's attention has been captured by a psychic octopus. It's like someone pointed out they think he's just picked the left hand muscle in his tank every time. <laughs> so it's just whoever's placing the muscles is quite a good reader of the game. That's, that's all that's happened. <laughs> that might be true. Yeah. Um, and of course, British born. Apparently, so Sky Sports said today, you know, let's get behind them. Really, you know, this has been England's World Cup between Paul the Psychic Octopus and Howard Webb. We're, we're thoroughly well represented. Absolutely. Who needs a good football team? Who needs even an average football team when you can have the bald-headed referee who had a shocking season at club level and still managed to referee the Champions League final and the World Cup final? And, and an octopus, which the Germans have stolen from us. Yeah, well, once we give Greece back the Elgin marbles, we'll get back Paul the Psychic Octopus. It's a comic well, it, thing. Do you think he'll, he'll be dead by then? They only last two years, apparently. Do you think um, Seb Blatter is confused and thinks that Howard Reb is player Luigi Colina? It's there, there could be. I think there's some irony here. The, the head of the referees committee is uh, Spanish, and of course, um, after the Lord Treesman affair, in which. Um, Treesman claimed that the Spanish FA were trying to bribe referees. I, I think there's a little joke going on. <laughs> that might be that might be what it is, um, but I, th- I I don't know. I think it all. I, I think Howard Webb has had a very good World Cup actually, and without wanting to go all Clive Tilsley on it and reference him at every possible opportunity, um, he he has looked to be a pretty him and his fantastic linesman. One of them I think is called Darren something. Darren Cobb. I don't know. You just never know the linesman's names except when an English pairing are referee uh, an English team are officiating in a World Cup match after England have got knocked out of the tournament and then you'll definitely hear the linesman's names it's it's quite sad really isn't it uh third place playoff Uruguay Germany oh yeah whatever whatever (laughs) (laughs) the only thing is I'm sad to hear you you told me before we started recording that Miroslav Klosen might not play because otherwise this would definitely be the Miroslav Klosen testimonial third place fourth place playoff 
He's um, he's got a slight back problem, yes. Yeah, so he uh, he's he's rated as doubtful at the moment. Oh, that's I, they got they must bring him on if they get a penalty at the end. They should just bring him on because I mean you know you have the opportunity to be the all-time leading goal scorer in World Cups if he gets one in this game, right? Uh, yes. Well, he'll he'll join Ronaldo. That's, uh, that's the fact. It. Ronaldo yeah. on fifteen. Yeah. Um, incredible, really, given I think he scored twice in the whole of last season at club level. And he's really not had much of a club career to speak of. Um, and same with Lucas Podolski, really, but they seem to turn it on for Germany. There have been a few stories like that, actually, in the in the World Cup. Um, they had the nominations for the young player of the tournament, um, and one of them is uh, Giovanni Dos Santos, who, of course, who just can't make the Spurs side and been chunted out on loan to Ipswich and to Galatasaray. And um, didn't really make it at Barcelona. In fact, he's played more games for Mexico than he's played for any of his club sides in his career. That's quite extraordinary, isn't it? It really is. It really is. But he's had a great tournament. I'm sure he'll get himself a new club. What's the um, cutoff for Young Player of the Year? And is um, Honda from Japan... Does he qualify? Uh, he's not in the nominations, and uh, I, off the top of my head, I can't quite remember who they were. Um, it was one of the Ghanaian midfielders, and and Thomas Muller, of oh, course. He's a, he's a shoe in, isn't he, Thomas? He's had an out, who's had an outstanding tournament, and and was a big loss to Germany, I think, in the in the semi final. Yeah, absolutely, definitely, because they 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 definitely lacked uh, something. He, he was very extremely effective and direct and all those things that are useful when you're trying to counter-attack. Um, yeah, I, I think he must be a shoo-in for that award, you would think. Who's, who, do you know off the top of your head who the nominees for Player of the Tournament are? It's David Villa, isn't it? David Villa is the Player of the Tournament. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, actually, I don't know. I haven't, I'm not sure whether they've been announced yet. But, um, I, I mean, you know, I, I think you can, you can pick one of Via Xavi, who's been brilliant as always. Wesley Snyder's had a fantastic tournament. And I guess Meza Ozil's had a really good tournament alongside Muller. Faded badly in the semi, didn't he, uh, Ozil? I, I guess uh, those would be my favourite players. Uh, and, of course, uh, Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard. I thought they were wonderful. No, not. No. <laughs> um, it's a good job you clarified that not there at the end because I think people might have thought you were being entirely serious for a second. Um, okay, so what, forget your FIFA awards. What 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 every player wants to win is a Rantcast Young Player and Rantcast Player of the Tournaments um, award. That's that's the prestigious award in world football, and perhaps even a Rantcast Goal of the Tournament, uh, excluding the third place playoff and uh, final. I'm I'm going with. Um, David Villa for player of the tournament because all those other players, yes, they, they have had fantastic tournaments and have been excellent, but there really is no contest for me. It's 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 kind of cut and dried that. Um, and a young player, assuming Honda is too old to be young player, it's got to be Thomas Muller. Goal of the tournament, I'm going with Mr. Sully Montari's wonder strike in the quarterfinal for, uh, for Ghana. Yeah, I, I, I tend to, I hate to do this, but I tend to agree with your, your choices on uh, young player and, and um, player of the tournament. I think Xavi pushes him hard, but um, V has obviously had the impact. Um, and goal of the tournament, there's been quite a few. Uh, I know one of Diego Forland's stunning strikes, he's had several. Uh, Carlos Tevez from like 30-odd yards. Uh, yeah, can't give it to him. Though. No, I was going to say, he's yeah, he's he definitely. Uh, I thought the build-up for Spain's goal against Paraguay was magnificent. In fact, many of Spain's goals have been great team goals, as as you'd expect. 
Um, in, but that one had about 14 or 15 passes before uh, they uh, slipped Villa through. Uh, he was, of course, offside. But um, So, yeah, several, I'm not sure I, I could pick one. If you were forced to, if you had a gun to your head? If I had a gun to my head. A very, um, a very, a very surreal hostage situation where somebody put a gun to your head and said, <laughs> I'm going to shoot you unless you pick the, your goal of the tournament. I, I, I guess, yes. Um, Villa versus... Paraguay would be my favourite as a team goal. Excellent. Well, that's good. We've picked an individual goal and a team goal. That's, that's how these things are supposed to work. Um, so uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed this World Cup. Even when it was, even when the World Cup is bad, it's good because it's the World Cup. Um, I've loved Spain's. Te- wow, well, I was going to use a word that really doesn't exist. Technicianery. <laughs> that's just, just not a good word. Um, I, I've loved. Spain's technical ability on the ball. I've loved Germany's enthusiasm. I love Diego Maradona striding around the pitch with his chest puffed out. I loved the kind of nationwide enthusiasm for Ghana in in South Africa. Um, and uh, I loved, I just loved, I just loved everything about it, apart from England being rubbish. But you know, we kind of expected that before the whole thing started. Um, it's it's just been, oh and and the poor quality of punditry, which it seems we struck a bit of a chord when we mentioned that in, uh, in the last show, because uh, we, we got an all, I got an awful lot of comments on Twitter. And I think you, we both did in the, in the, uh, in the comments thread on the, on the post on unitedrand.co.uk agreeing wholeheartedly about the punditry. Apart from all of those things, it's been, a, it's been fantastic. that has been the world cup and I'm really going to miss it when it's finished. Yeah, me too. I, I think there's been some dominant things coming out. I think, um, as we, we as, as we know anyway, possession is is absolutely king. We have two sides in the final that are possession sides. In fact, um, although Germany played on the break, they they were good with the ball. Um, Uruguay perhaps the the most defensive of those semi finalists. So I think that's king. The playmaker has returned. It's been a very dominant team, I, I think actually. Um, Xavi, Özil, uh, Schneider, some of the you know the the best teams have a have a pivotal person in, in midfield. And, of course, the dominant formation is, has been the 4-2-3-1, hasn't it, with, with two uh, defensive midfielders and, uh, and the playmaker in the, in the three behind the, the leading striker. And, of course, it's the, the way United set up for the most of last season and will almost certainly play uh, in the biggest games next season. Our problem, of course, is that we don't have a greater midfielder. Yeah, and we, we without Paul Scholes playing, we haven't got a playmaker. And Paul Scholes probably plays in the two rather than the three nowadays. Of course, that is a significant problem. Um, but that that's clearly been the dominant tactical formation of the tournament, and and it makes sense in modern football to to play that way because the players are kind of so fit and dynamic that it's easy for the two wide players in the three behind the one to join in with play and to run back and support and you know there's so much more mobility in the game now um and the level of technical ability is much higher than it's ever been before uh all those kinds of things mean that it's 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 a formation which really suits modern football um and i think something about the the way that the back pass rule has affected the game and the way the offside laws are supposed to favor the strikers have also made that um, an even more viable formation so I, I think you can you know, there's clear reasons why but but as we said in the last episode these things are cyclical and and i very much doubt that the world cup after next the dominant formation will be four two three one 
Yeah, you're right. They 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 do change, and I think all those predictions of four people dead and antiquated uh, don't don't really make any sense. Um, you know, given the the history of football. But um, yeah, we'll see. I, I think it's it's the way that most leading teams will will play next season. Certainly, like the 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 one thing about the four four two thing is the four two three one is devastatingly effective against a four four two. You know, it really if you're if you're three and you're one up front are very good, then that that really does render the four four two very ineffective against a four two a, a well played four two three one will be a well played four four two. I think most of the time. Well, it's it's been the way that the World Cup has panned out in the end. So that, so that's the World Cup. I I am um, I miss it too. I mean, not least having sixty odd games in in a month um uh, but we don't have to wait long uh united play their first pre-season training match against celtic in toronto on the 19th of june so yeah just over a week well that's really the natural constituency for both of those teams of course toronto yeah absolutely and and that uh tour is a uh, Absolutely about getting United prepared for the new season and nothing to do with marketing to a, 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 a large and uh, football-hungry US public. I do, I do know Toronto's in Canada, by the way. <laughs> what, what could be better for international footballers than to you know, take a, a series of long-haul flights in the building? To, because we all know that long-haul plane travel is extremely good for your physical fitness. It's yeah. going to be an interesting season. We'll we'll be back for a proper pre-season uh, show, I'm sure, and look ahead to a season where I my prediction is that we're going to finish third in the Premier Division. Sorry to say that. I, I hope I'm... Ouch. <laughs> Depends whether United um, manage to sign any players. I mean, it, look, um, from we'll, we'll do a full pre-season preview show, of course, but um, as it stands, uh, in reading speculation in the papers of... Uh, bid for Wes Schneider, I personally don't believe it was serious um, and uh, I, I don't think we'll get that big name we desperately need in midfield and I think we'll, we'll come up short as a result but let's see once the um, let's see once the window closes maybe the Glazers will find the odd 30 million down the back of their sofa. There's, there's no value in the market Ed so even if they do we won't buy anyone because there's no value in the market that's, that's the only reason we're not buying anyone uh, Wes Schneider, 12.4 million last summer. No no value in the market. No yeah. value. No value whatsoever. Um, it's been a fantastic World Cup. But the thing that always happens has happened, which is that at the beginning of the World Cup, I'm like, oh, it's all right, but it's not as good as when United are playing. And then by the end of the World Cup, you're like, oh, I just want World Cup football all the time. I don't want domestic football anymore. But then the, that, that soon goes away. Uh, and, and... I'm sure it'll go away as soon as United kick off in their traditional Monday night at 8 o'clock slot for the opening <laughs> game of the season. Football's been ruined, Ed. Football has been ruined. Sky TV. I blame you, Sky TV. Um, anyway, it's, 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 been, it's been fun doing these, um, these World Cup shows, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm sorry they're over. I'm also sorry we only got to do three instead of the four we were promising. Um, but we will be back uh, ahead of the new season, full of vim and vigour and raring to talk about the ebbs and flows and roller coaster ride that is being a Manchester United fan and uh, thank you very much for listening and uh, it, it was very, uh, super cool after the last episode I got a bunch of messages on Twitter and we got a bunch of comments in, in, the, uh, in, the, in the post on United rant and it, it, it really does uh, make a big difference so thank you very much indeed yeah!
Alamini, you will let your Oh, 